0: This 80s flick sequel is often remembered as a complete misfire among the wide range of slasher classics. Screenwriter and director Danny Steinman, whose limited filmography was mainly exploitation films, ventured beyond the well-trodden path of its predecessors by introducing a narrative twist that left fans both confused and disappointed. But when Friday the 13th falls in the month of October, we have to cover the next one in the series, so get ready to get reacquainted with hockey masks, machetes, and jump scares, as Nicholas Peppa and I discuss Friday the 13th, a new beginning from 1985, on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Severe trauma at age 12, brutal self defense murder of a psychopathic killer.
1: If Jason still haunts you,
0: you're not alone. You'll find we're very different from the state institution. We don't have any guards here. Nobody's going to tell you what you
2: can do or what you can't do. You think a joke? What you're really doing here, Tommy, is preparing yourself to re-enter society and start a new life.
0: Well, they've given them every therapy they can think of. Winter's mind isn't fried with all the drugs they've given him they say here that his violent outbursts have subsided Uh, that he's well on his way
2: to a complete recovery friday the 13th a new beginning
0: I'm Tim Williams, the mastermind behind the mic at the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Joining me on each epic episode is a guest co-host who's as crazy about 80s flicks as they are about wearing parachute pants and solving Rubik's Cubes. We're diving into nostalgic treasures we saw at the local theater, rented on VHS tapes, or discovered on cable TV. From blockbusters that make you say,
1: I feel the need to remain for speed
0: to hidden gems that'll have you screaming they're here it's a blast to relive these old memories and share our thoughts and what made these movies so special we reminisce about our first time watch experiences share our favorite scenes and even discover fascinating behind the scenes tales about the cast and crew along the way haven't hit that subscribe button yet what are you waiting for come on do it on apple podcasts spotify or your favorite podcast platform and hey, while you're at it, be a pal and drop us a written review along with a five-star rating to tell us what you think about us. The sportos, motorheads,
2: geeks, sluts, bloods, wastoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude.
0: Take a day off and come hang out with us on social media. Just search 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And don't forget to bookmark 80sflickflashback.com for more gnarly content get out of town i didn't know you did anything creative want to crank it all the way up to 11 become a supporter on buymeacoffee.com for only five dollars a month
2: do or do not there is no try
0: click the link in our episode show notes and while you're there soak up the extra trivia and fun stuff that didn't make it into today's show thanks again for tuning in now let's get right into today's episode Welcome in, everybody. So glad to have you on this special episode of the podcast, as it does fall on Friday the 13th in the month of October, which is when we typically do a good bit of our scary um, or horror movies from the 80s. And we've covered so far four Friday the 13th movies that, for the most part, I've enjoyed, if you've gone back and listened to those episodes. But this one is not the most loved of the franchise probably the one that i don't know if it's the one that people like the least but it's not on anybody's top five list i can tell you that but we're talking about (laughs) part five a new beginning which is part of the what did they call the uh, tommy trilogy
2: yeah it's it's the middle of the tommy trilogy for no apparent reason
0: right right (laughs) good to have my good friend nicholas pepin back on the episode with me from pop culture roulette of course, he enjoys the honra, the the honra, the horror genre as well. Well, probably more than me.
2: <laughs> that might be true. Yes.
0: Yeah, and of course, his podcast has done several different horror things in October, which you're not doing this year. But if you want to go back and listen to ones from the years past, very extensive. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, we're recording
2: from an undisclosed location this time <laughs> because I've got <laughs> yeah. a. A secret project which as soon as i can announce it will be pretty cool mm-hmm. um i hate when people do that but i have no choice i signed an nda right so you know i it, it'll it'll be a while so
0: we'll probably record several more episodes but
2: i'll be back at home by then so yeah
0: yeah well i'm glad you could fit me into your busy schedule uh while you're on your secret project
2: <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was nice finally getting to to see you again in, in person well normally you say we got a good one and i noticed you didn't say that this time because uh <laughs> well we don't one. We, it's not a good one no no this one is, is uh this, one's rough. this yeah. one's rough yeah
0: but we got to cover it so so far the only sequel i've refused to cover was halloween 3 season of the witch because after i watched it i just i had no there was nothing that made me feel like I want to talk about this movie for, for 30 to 45 minutes or even an hour. And uh, my co-host was like, I feel the same way. So we just said, we'll just skip that one. But I, because this one is a kind of a continuation of a story, I felt like we needed to do this one. So we'll jump right in. Well, there, so,
2: there are a few things worth talking about. But yeah, overall,
0: yeah. it's it's
2: uh, and we'll get there. But it, it's a very pale imitation of what mm-hmm. it is. And I think if they had stuck with what they were trying to do, yes, or possibly doing, yes, this movie maybe could have been better,
0: yes. But
2: the, they clearly immediately gave up on it and went back to the uh, well <laughs> for for number six. So right,
0: right. Well, that was partly because the the fans, you know, revolted. Which same thing with season of the witch. You can't yeah. have a Halloween movie without you know Michael Myers, and they're like, well, you can't have a Friday the Thirteenth movie without. Jason Voorhees. Of course, oh, spoilers, 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 spoilers. spoilers, spoilers. spoilers. But you, don't, you don't listen to this podcast because you don't want to be spoiled. If you haven't watched the movie already, then it's really kind of hard to listen to these podcasts. But but let's jump into our regular format. So uh, when did you see Friday the 13th, uh, a new beginning for the first time?
2: I would have been when I moved to Florida. So 0203, I went okay. on, a, on a, a Friday the 13th binge. Right. Went right. to them all. Um, and then I didn't really watch this one again, uh, because it's it's uh not yeah, worth rewatching. Yeah, I rewatched it this week for the first time in a long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, it's when you know the twist ending, like mm-hmm. it's a better movie, it doesn't make it a good movie, right? Right. And and in regards to the rest of the franchise, mm-hmm. like I would I would put it below Jason X, like mm-hmm you'll never get to Jason X because it's, it's in the nineties. Right. right. I right. don't know how, how many of the, I have to look at the math or the numbers to see how many of the Friday,
0: the 13th movies you'll actually be able to cover. But I think we'll be able to do, I think it's either eight or nine. I want to yeah. say it's nine. Cause I think there's like one every year. So like 80, 80, like they pretty much cranked them out like one every year through the, through yeah. the, through the eighties. So,
2: yeah, and and I I also can't remember where this came out in relation to Halloween three, the season of the witch. But you would, I know it came out after. Yeah, two years after. Okay, so you think they would have learned their lesson from that? Right, right. They clearly did. Right, yeah. But um, I did see a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors in this one. Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah. I I was like, huh. I wonder if Dream Warriors was like,
0: we see what you're doing over there. We're gonna do it better. <laughs> better, yeah. Because, yeah, because Dream Warriors definitely came out after this one.
2: Yeah, I looked uh, that
0: one up because I was like, yeah. when
2: did that one come out in
0: relation? Because I know the two franchises
2: were kind of warring with each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely once you got like the back half of the 80s, they were kind of, I don't know if they were coming out like the same weekend or like always very close to each other, like which one was going to make the most money or whatever. But oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there as well. I, I got to get back into The Nightmare on Elm Street. We've done the first one, but I haven't done any of the sequels yet. So I uh, got to. But I'm, you know, I'm almost done with Halloween, so I guess that'll be the next big franchise we'll kind of start covering. But, uh, but yeah, I I didn't think that I had seen this one before, but there were parts of the movie that I rem- or that that gonna spark someone to remember. Like I think I've seen this. Um, a few of the death scenes, um, I was like, yeah, I I remember this. And but then there's other parts, like the end, you know, there's something in the end already. But like when they're in the barn and they're they're fighting, I was like, I feel like I've seen this already, but I did because that was in. Part three, like the whole battle in the barn, and Jason falling from the top is like that. It was such, uh, like a copy. It's almost like the the ending of the movie was almost well, like bits and pieces of the other movies. They've just kind of reconstructed to to duplicate. They,
2: they even blatantly stole at least one, if not multiple, kills from earlier yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. You know, the girl in the too. the girl in the bed. Yeah, got it yep. the way very similar to the way Kevin Bacon got it in mm. one hmm yeah, And like, they had
0: done, he had done the thing with the tree and the when well, I don't remember his name. Honestly, I couldn't remember anybody's name. But we'll get to why that's a, that that's a problem here in a minute. But.
2: None of their names were important,
0: right? But the but the guy that when he finds the dead his dead girlfriend in the in the woods and he backs up into the tree and then fake Jason puts the leather band across his eyes. Didn't he hadn't he done that in one of the other movies? Something similar. I don't yeah, know. Similar, I mean, yeah. yeah.
2: I mean like the the one guy who we I don't even remember where he was who we just found like spikes to a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like that okay was we've ending. seen something like that. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this this the this director um definitely didn't stretch his imagination.
0: No. Well, of uh, what we've seen because there's a lot of kills that we don't see because a lot of stuff got it, yeah, that is true. Out. I did I
2: did read a lot about the fact that there's a lot of this film that got hit the
0: editing room floor. Yeah, yeah thanks to the MPAA. So but uh, so let's jump into story origin and pre-production as we're kind of we're kind of getting into that some of that already. But story origin and pre-production. So the final chapter was intended to be the final installment of the franchise, but the director Joseph Zito and the writer Barney Cohen kept the ending open for a new character to take on the role of Jason with the hope of continuing the story in a sequel. The scene where Tommy Jarvis, played by Corey Feldman, attacked Jason's corpse with the machete and stares blankly was designed to be unsettling and was successful in that regard. However, franchise architect Phil Scuderi liked the idea of having Tommy assume the role of Jason, although he had to age the character by five years because Feldman was too young and was unavailable due to his work on The Goonies. Instead of rehiring Zito and Cohen, he decided to bring in new talent to continue the story. I will say that's mistake number one. <laughs> I think that's where the whole thing kind of goes downhill from there. You, yeah. Using the word talent for this? Yes. Yeah. 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 So the screenwriter director Danny Steinman was originally offered a two picture deal to direct a Friday the 13th sequel as well as a Last House on the Left sequel, though the latter ultimately fell through because A, they didn't have the rights to it and B, Wes Craven wouldn't allow it. At that time, he had just made his official direct- directorial debut with the Linda Blair B-movie Savage Streets in 1984. He'd actually been working in exploitation cinema under various pseudonyms since 1973. Those 70s adult quote unquote films (laughs) speak to the sleazy sensibilities he brought to A New Beginning. And that's, you know, once again, a lot of the problems with the movie as well. So the movie's title, A New Beginning was chosen because it had been decided that Tommy would become the killer after his encounter with Jason in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which was alluded to at the end of the film, Danny Steinman was instructed to do two things with this movie, deliver a shock, scare, or kill every seven to eight minutes, and most importantly, turn Tommy into the new Jason. He actually presented Steinman with a graph to emphasize his every eight minute rule, which meant the film needed to keep introducing new characters and then kill them three or four minutes later, which is why I made the comment about, I really didn't know who anybody's name was because nobody's on screen long enough for you to remember who they are besides right. Tommy, right?
2: And it really like I, I wrote a note in here when I was mm-hmm. watching it again today. That it was like this felt more like it's very non sequitur. Like it's just yes. like a like a bunch of scenes kind of stitched mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. That it's more like vignettes of a loosely based story. Yeah. Yeah. maybe yeah. it doesn't really feel like a
0: composed movie with a with a true story. I I could not agree with you more. I had the same thought. I was like there are parts of it where it felt like a bad TV movie version where it's like, let's just replicate some of the kills with different people. And then because they didn't like, like you had like a five episode series, like, well, look, we'll make an hour and a half movie with just, you know, like highlights, like almost like a highlight reel kind of a thing. Yeah. It just, you know,
2: and in this day and age now where we live in a, in a Snyder cut world, where you know we're all we're all fight we all fought for the snyder cut during mm-hmm. justice league and people right. all fighting for the ire cut of suicide squad mm-hmm. I, this movie is just so bad that i don't think people would fight for it but i, I am curious <laughs> if, yeah if if anybody bothered to even keep any of the footage around right and and stitched out a longer cut of this if maybe it would make more sense and be a better movie but like we said i don't think it does when you get to the reveal it just feels so out of place Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then in the next movie they clearly were like well we screwed up right right and immediately just completely jettisoned the entire fifth movie Mm -hmm. and went back to the beginning or the end of the fourth movie
0: right right yeah because even when the at the beginning of this movie when they're digging up Jason's grave. I'm like, wait a minute. I know I've seen part six, and that's exactly how part six opens with right. some teenagers trying to dig up his grave, and then coming back to life. So I was like, well, that's you know, that's yeah. interesting that they would. Right.
2: I mean, and, you know, and it, I mean, it had all the hallmarks of the Jason movie. Not the, yeah, the Jason movies. It mm. had the fake out, the fake out dream sequence at the beginning. Right. The and random the-, the random jump scares the sheer amounts of uh, toplessness you know right yeah you know, and then and then you know the, the random fake out uh ending you know Mm-hmm. but it, it just it just it was like they were like let's make a friday the 13th movie but not actually make a friday the 13th movie
0: yeah well it's interesting because the story for this one was actually based on an abandoned plot from a previous installment did you know this already no i don't i didn't hear that one okay yeah this i thought this was interesting so originally the plan for friday the 13th part three was to center around jenny the survivor from part two the story was set to take place at the mental institution where jenny had been committed due to the trauma she experienced however amy steele who played jenny declined to return for the third movie and the concept was shelved despite this setback the screenwriter for part three martin Katros i probably said his name better the first time uh, had developed the ideas into a written story treatment. The treatment included Jason as the lead character and in a setting where troubled teenagers might be. Instead of letting the work go to waste, his treatment was used as the basis for a new beginning, with Steinman and co-writer David Cohen pinning the script.
2: Okay. All right, yeah. I, now that you say that, some of that rings a bell. Yeah. But yeah, because they, they always kind of did that, where like at the, at the end of the you know first one or at the mm-hmm. beginning of the second one, they had the you know the girl who survived the first one, Jason showing up and killing her. Mm-hmm. For some reason was able to find her, like you know, two cities around. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But you know, so yeah, I mean it was just but I there's nobody in this cast worth talking about,
0: <laughs> which is which is what you normally get to. Well, I, mean, I I am gonna talk about a few. I actually have more than I thought I would, but we we'll, they're very it's short. It's very yeah, it's short. Corey Feldman for
2: thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. Um and then a whole bunch of nobodies who I mean I think some of them did a lot of horror movies and, mm-hmm. and
0: some of them are still even active today but yeah there were a few people that I recognized like oh I've seen there a couple of that guys like I've seen them so it's kind of fun to go back and see it. oh but I want to go back to your point when you were saying about like watching it knowing the ending makes it somewhat better and I will say that I did something I don't normally do. I started doing my research before I started watching the movie. So by doing that, I already knew who quote unquote fake Jason was, which I think helped me because I was able to pick up on some things that are there that I think a casual first thing you wouldn't notice.
2: Right. And, And I distinctly remember the first time, just like, the ending it coming out of nowhere, and when mm-hmm. they do that, and and we're just gonna skip all over because there's yeah. no point in trying to stay no, on well. script with this one because they clearly didn't either. But um, <laughs> right when when fake Jason falls off, for some reason his mask goes flying way yeah, far I, away. Yeah, yeah, that And was the crazy. fake Matt. Yeah. It, anyway, and you see him, and you're like, "Who's that guy?" Right. Right. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Look now when I rewatch it, since I know who he is. You see him various different places, right? Right, and and like, and then they kind of linger on his face a little bit, and Mm -hmm. like the reaction, and you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. they were they were foreshadowing. And something else that I noticed this time that I definitely didn't notice before: the hockey mask is different. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because normally it's got the yeah. Normally it's got the red, and this time it was blue, and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, they were flat out telling you the whole time Mm -hmm. this This isn't isn't Jason. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because that's not what anybody went in expecting when it happened. Mm-hmm. I think what they were hoping is that when it happened, people, they, they were hoping that people in the crowd would be like,
0: oh, <laughs> and uh, what
2: they got was, what? And then right. you could tell at some point they must have figured that out because after he's dead and they go to the hospital, there's a an exposition like th- <laughs> they're like we have to tell these people what the John yep. Scarsy what what yep. the reveal meant because otherwise no one where no one's gonna even yeah
0: yeah and what I didn't understand because I was like I knew he I knew who was gonna be and we'll talk about it's Roy the ambulance driver if you have right. you know spoiler alert too late but like he's got a full head of hair so like when they're in the barn and they're kind of fighting like this dude is completely bald did he shave his head. But then when he falls, it's like, no, he put on like a balding mask under the hockey mask to really look. I'm like, this dude thought way too much about this. Like it, And I think because there's no, this could have been made so much better. Like if you would have had some kind of scene like showing him. So even if you didn't see his face to know who it was, the plotting of the creating the, you know his disguise and and you know seeing the newspaper clippings that his partner you know shows him or the 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 uh, sheriff shows her later that would have like you said instead of it being at the end like oh because you don't know who that guy was we just killed let me tell you who he was and why it was important you know it's right. like it was too late at that point
2: and and they did thread desperately try to make you think it was tommy the whole time yeah yeah, and then they even tried like a really brief fake out with the random homeless guy,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which
2: who immediately got killed. Right, um, right.
0: Yeah, and that that's the other part of the story that I felt like they had a good idea. I think the part of them, you know, needing like the the scares every eight minutes was really the downfall because having to introduce new characters to then eliminate made it way too convoluted. Because most of the time, like like Tommy should be the central character. And he's barely in the movie. Like every time he comes back on screen, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot he was in this. Like this is, I forgot and he's what, part of this movie. He only has like 24 lines 24 of dialogue. Word, yeah, 24 spoken words or 24 lines of dialogue in the movie, yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't talk. Yeah. So, I mean, and,
2: and the guy who played him, I mean, they didn't even try to get a guy who looked like a grown-up Corey <laughs> Feldman. No, they didn't. <laughs> Like if they didn't tell us that was Tommy, I never would have been like, yeah, it's
0: supposed to be Tommy Jarvis. Like, right. Right. Yeah. And, but like I said, I, I would have liked to like knowing once again, watching it, watching it, knowing what they were trying to do and what the ending was going to be. I was like, they could have, they could have told his story better of like that him becoming like fighting the, you just because having dreams about Jason doesn't mean that he's going to become Jason. Like, it still seems like he's very scared of him, but I kind of need that. I hate, to use this, I hate to use this analogy, but you almost need like a Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker type of, you know, yin and yang of this pull of don't you want to come to the dark side? No, I want to stay good. You know, some kind of conflict that you can see besides just him looking freaked out or scared every time he sees like. Jason in the mirror or whatever and even how they did at the end where like he's standing at the edge of the bed after he had the nightmare and then Jason just fades away and then he gets kind of like a smirk on his face and I'm like wow they really they really didn't try very yeah, hard for this uh,
2: yeah it's just they had big ideas and mm-hmm. then uh then you said mistake number one bringing in you know
0: who they brought in yeah yeah it definitely didn't. Yeah, it like it's a complete. I mean, none of the movies really. At least I'll say of the first four movies. You can still tell they're all kind of from a different director, or they're they're not. They don't feel like one complete story. I mean, they have there's some connectivity, but this one seems so much different than everything else. Like like I said, it felt like a TV movie version. Like it didn't have, I mean, the other ones are still like low budget. I'm not saying it's budget wise. It's just how it was shot, the shots they did. I was like, I feel like I'm watching a TV movie from the eighties. Like it doesn't feel like something I would have seen at the theater, especially thinking of 1985 and you're coming off of 84 with movies like, you know, Goonies and uh gremlin, of course, bigger budget movies, but, but even like a nightmare on Elm street came out a year before this, and that was still low budget, but it felt more like a theatrical movie than this does yeah
2: no you're you're 100 percent correct
0: and now these
2: messages (sighs) what seems to be the problem pal there's just so much pain in the world so many issues i don't think i can bear it well friendo it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR! But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop culture roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories.
1: Are you a fan of movies and TV shows inspired by comics? Ready for a podcast that dives deep into the thrilling world of adaptations? Well, look no further. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. This is your go-to podcast for all things comics on screen. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and every Monday, we explore the dynamic universe where ink meets action. We break down the classics, reveal hidden gems, and uncover the creative process behind your favorite adaptations. Subscribe to Moving Panels now on your favorite podcast platform and join us on this epic journey through the pages of comics and onto the big screen. Remember, new episodes drop every Monday. Don't miss out. Moving Panels, where every panel has a story, Every adaptation is a blockbuster. Subscribe today, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. All right. Well, let's
0: talk a little bit about casting. So, my favorite note about this is that the cast—they were—it was actually cast under a fake title called "Repetition," and many of the actors in the film were not <laughs> aware it was a Friday the Thirteenth movie until after they were cast in their roles. Among the unaware cast was the lead actor, John Shepard, who played Tommy, who spent several months volunteering at a state mental hospital to prepare for the role, and he felt really disappointed to discover that repetition was actually the fifth entry of the Friday the 13th series. Another actor stated, It wasn't until I saw part five that I realized what a piece of trash it was. I mean, I knew the the series' reputation, but you're always hoping that yours is going to come out better. Yes, it did not. They filmed several of the Friday the 13th sequels under fake titles and repetition was almost like an inside joke. It's like, yeah, we're just, we're just repeating the same thing we've done every other time. There's nothing original about this, this story. So
2: that title does uh, make me laugh. It is amusing
0: (laughs) in no particular order, because I don't really think there's really lead people in this because everybody, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's so many different characters, but uh, the top of the list is Melanie Kinneman who played Pam And Pam is what we call the final girl. She's the one that survives at the end. She does not have much of a filmography, as Nicholas mentioned. After making this movie, she later co-starred with Eric Roberts in the 1989 film Best of the Best. She made guest appearances on TV shows like Hill Street Blues, The People Next Door, and Cheers. And that's the extent of her (laughs) her bio. So we're going to go through these pretty quick. I don't have anything that's really very long. So... Then we've got John Shepard as Tommy, or the older Tommy. He also starred in the 1992 movie Deep Cover and in the 1996 comedy Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer. His most recent role was the 2000 movie Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius. He also made guest appearances on TV shows like Quantum Leap, Tour of Duty, Friday the 13th, the series, and T.J. Hooker. I'm assuming he probably reprised his role in Friday the 13th, the series, I guess. Did you watch any of the TV show?
2: No, I never got around to that one. Yeah. I didn't I didn't watch my
0: it my understanding of is it is it that series
2: is Friday the thirteenth and name only, yeah, that's what I kind of remember too It's, it's kind of like a, an outer limits or a yeah, yeah, Twilight Zone where like every story is sort of loosely based, but not anything to do directly with right with the Jason Mythos,
0: yeah, they just use the title because they tell you know those more like scary stories, not like anything that had to do with Jason or Crystal Lake so. And then, of course, the face that everyone's going to know, Corey Feldman as Tommy at age 12. This was He was only able to make a cameo appearance in the film as a result of his involvement with Goonies, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, he filmed the inserts of his cameo on a Sunday, as that was his off day of shooting the other movie. And the footage was shot in the backyard of his family's home in Los Angeles with a rain machine. So um, all of, all of his scenes of being shocked, seeing Jason come out of the grave was on a Sunday afternoon. The other person that I recognized, but I didn't know his name, Shavar Ross as Reggie. uh, Did you recognize him at all? No, I've
2: recognized his brother.
0: Yes, yeah, we'll get to him too. So he landed his first recurring television role on Different Strokes as Dudley Johnson, the best friend of Gary Coleman's character. So I grew up watching um, Different Strokes, so that's why I recognized him. He also was a voice actor for Hanna-Barbera and voiced Our Gang Kid, Billy Buckwheat Thomas for the animated TV series version of little rascals. And he also appeared in season two of the TV show Benson and later had a recurring role on family matters as weasel, which I, I watched family matters, but I don't remember him from that at all. But, but yeah, last song I was like, I know I've seen that kid and something else. I just couldn't place. So then when I saw he was Dudley, I was like, yep, that was Dudley from uh, different strokes. So going back to like the ending, I'm going to probably talk about the ending more than anything else in this movie. But the whole thing with him and Pam together, I was like, this is a whole total rehash of part four with, you know, young Tommy and the older sister, like them being chased." Is like, he's only here to be the little kid. Like he's he's the replacement for little Tommy. It was like, oh man. Oh gosh. So uh, repetition, there it is. That's the name of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Then we've got Richard Young as Matt. This was the... I guess Pam's, I don't know if they were together, but like her, like he was the head of the, or the main guy at the, the facility. Oh
2: yeah. The guy who got spiked to a tree that we yes. saw for like
0: five minutes and we never yeah. saw him actually
2: right. die. Yeah. Like when I, when yeah. they
0: when I saw the scene of him on the, in like the, the spike in the tree, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Who is that? Has not wasn't he killed already? And I was like, Oh no, that's the, 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 uh, the head guys like, yeah, but he hasn't been like, I haven't seen him for like 20 minutes in this movie. Like where'd he come from? Like, yeah. Uh so he done some film and television work uh uh Night Rider and Cheers but I knew I'd seen him somewhere before. Do you know where he was what else he was in that you would probably recognize him? I didn't look him up so Okay. In 1989 he was cast as Garth or Fedora in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He's the guy that the young Indiana Jones is fighting with in the Boat or no not in the oh. boat at the beginning where he's uh, he's running out of the cave the uh The one that gives him the fedora when he's okay. talking to uh his dad. So, no, I,
2: no, I didn't recognize him as that Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. Well, I recognize I was like, I've seen that I've seen his face before but I was expecting him to have like a thicker like Country accent or like a southern accent like I thought I'd seen him in something like that But when I saw that he was in Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones and the last crusade, I was like, oh, yeah That's where I saw him from so but yeah, so despite appearing in lead roles, he became disillusioned with the industry in 1995 and left to pursue a career in photography. So he had done some stuff with Steven Spielberg on Amazing Stories, and he had done some other, you know, TV and film acting, but nothing, nothing big. Moving right along, Dick Wieland, or Dick Wyand, W-I-E-A-N-D, I don't know. But he's Roy, the ambulance driver, a.k.a. fake Jason. He has not done any other uh, movies or TV that was worth mentioning. Even though he was credited for the role, it is actually a stuntman, Tom Morga, who appears in the scenes featuring the imposter Jason, as well as those with the hallucination of Jason, which haunts Tommy. Dick Warlock was a stunt coordinator on A New Beginning. He's also known for playing Michael Myers in Halloween Two. During the filming, Warlock and Morga would uh both pose for pictures dressed as jason and michael myers respectively which i thought was pretty cool he was not happy with being cast as jason like i guess i i, I didn't put in my notes but like from a few things that i read it seemed like he was cast as the ambulance driver and didn't realize he was actually going to be jason until like he got on set and so he was kind of upset that that was that was who he was going to become because it's like I, i'm not a very scary person why would you choose me to be that 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 role so for his, what, five minutes of screen time, maybe? Yeah. that he's yeah, if, if that. Yeah. All right, so moving right along, we've got Tiffany Helm as Violet. Helm made her a film debut with a small role in Hard to Hold in 84. She had her sole starring part as Kate Haskell in The Zoo Gang in 90, 1985. Never heard of that one. She also played innocent juvenile delinquent Andrea Eldridge in the Babes Behind Bars parody Reform Schoolgirls in 1986 she made tv show appearances on Freddy's nightmares 21 jump street santa barbara the young and the restless and likely stories volume 3 but Cheryl Finn was considered for the role of Violet but turned it down to do just one of the guys in 1985
2: probably probably the right decision
0: yeah i think violet was the the light-haired girl the one that got killed in the bed i think that's who No violet
2: was. no violet was the punk rock uh, the is rock is that who it,
0: okay yeah. all right I always got the, I was getting those who, two mixed up. Who had
2: the really awkward da- uh, robot dancing for yes. no reason?
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, maybe this is the one I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah. So Juliet Cummins is Robin. Robin was the one on the bed. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she was actually an Olympic gymnast for 14 years, but then the United States boycotted the games in 1980. She was forced to sit out another four years. And by that time, she would have been 16 or 20. So she decided to give up her Olympic career and pursue acting. She guest starred on TV shows like Simon and Simon, Murder She Wrote, Wiz Kids, Max Headroom, and New Love American style. She has said that fr- filming Friday the thirteenth, The New Beginning, and Slumber Party Massacre Two were the most fun projects she ever worked on. Well, at least she had a good time making the movie. One of the only ones.
2: If you gotta make lemons out of lemonade or lemonade out right. of lemons or yeah. you know, whatever the I
0: knew what you is. meant. I knew what you yeah. meant so then we'll talk about i'll briefly mention vernon washington another person to recognize as george who was i guess the father or grandfather of reggie oh remember. yeah grandfather yeah yeah so but he played otis in the last starfighter which we just covered a couple episodes ago so you can go back and see his or hear his filmography but when he popped up it was like it's otis then we've got uh well debbie sue Voorhees, and yes that is her real last name as tina Prior to acting, she was a Playboy Bunny at the Dallas Playboy Club from 1980 to 1982, from 82 to 86. She had several minor roles in movies and television series, which included a seven-episode role on Dallas from 1982 to 1985. She has said in a recent interview that when she went in for an audition, one of the things that caught the director's eye on her photo was she had the same name as Jason. Nowadays, she says she doesn't really get recognized, but some people freak out when they see her last name. She tells him jokingly, Jason Voorhees is her husband, and it's a real pain getting bloodstains out of his laundry.
2: <laughs> I bet she makes a lot of money on the convention circuit for having that. But I mean, she should. She, I don't
0: know if she does, but she should.
2: She, I mean, having the same last name really works out to her benefit. She's yeah, one of the few yeah. people that I remember like being in the, in the only one I remember being in this movie solely because <laughs> of the name. Right. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, her role is memorable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, she hasn't
0: really done a lot no. for since. But so now she goes by Deborah Voorhees. Like she hasn't her, her IMDb page. IMDb page is Deborah Voorhees, and I think she's done like she does like photography and stuff now. But she actually she tried to she's tried to be a teacher, like an English lit teacher, but. When students find out that she was in the movie and pictures of her from the movie make its rounds then she's asked to resign and move on so which is so dumb
2: yeah i don't whatever i mean that's 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 another conversation for a different podcast yeah
0: yeah i yeah i want to mention that because that that uh the name because she had the last name you have like you said she's barely in the movie but because of her name you have to mention her it's funny to think that somebody really really has a last name of Voorhees, because isn't it Lisa from Saved by the Bell? Her name is Lark Voorhees. Yeah, I always thought that she took that name. Like, I didn't. I never thought that was her real last name. I Was like she was took that, that last name to to make it in Hollywood. But I don't really know much about her story yet. So. No, I, yeah, I've never
2: bothered to look her up. But do you? Uh, it was an advertising campaign in the early to mid nineties where like they made fun of like. Somebody had the name Freddy Krueger and he was trying to run a babysitting business. And I
0: think I remember that. Yeah. There was I like, you know, that. Yeah. They,
2: they were like, whatever company it was, was like, yeah, our name's unfortunate, but we are still quality. And yeah. It was like, you know, <laughs> the Norman Bates Hotel. Like, you know, yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I did know a couple of my kids named Michael Jackson when I was in, in school. And it was always funny to check out a library book and see Michael Jackson's signature on like the little cards <laughs> in the back. What? Michael Jackson's sign was in my library? Anyway. Uh, All right. we got a few more. Actually, we're almost done. I think I only got three left. So I'll mention this one. Richard Lineback is not a name that I would recognize, but he played Deputy Dodd. When I saw him on screen, I was like, I know that guy's face. And because he's been in a ton of stuff, he's appeared in films like Speed, Twister and Varsity Blues. He's had many television guest appearances on The Love Boat, MASH, The Waltons, Crazy Like a Fox, TJ Hooker, Knight Rider, Matlock, Star Trek The Next Generation, Hunter, China Beach, Dallas, star trek deep space nine nypd blue touched by an angel and jag and i'm sure that's not even all the ones he's been in but yeah he's the he's the deputy that comes up and says something about we've got a murderer on the loose or like there's a maniac on the loose and then it cuts to roy the ambulance driver that kind of looks at him kind of weird and then it goes away so when he popped i was like i've seen that guy's face and so when i saw he was on speed i remember him being one of the one of the uh swat guys that are trying to help keanu reeves uh get off the bus so yeah he he did look familiar i just i didn't do as much research for this movie as i normally do (laughs) it's all right you really didn't have to like i you know i thought i was going to have like three names but i found a few so then what a name demon which is reggie's brother it's played by miguel a nunez jr and i recognized him as well uh One of his first major screen roles was the supporting role of Spider in The Return of the Living Dead. And his first major starring role was that of Marcus Taylor on the CBS series Tour of Duty, which is probably where I remembered him from. I was a big fan of that show when I was a kid. Uh, He was a main cast member for all three seasons of the show. He later appeared in the short-lived Fox series My Wildest Dreams, as well as the short-lived UPN show Sparks. He was also in movies such as Joanna Man. I remember seeing that on VHS. Nunez also had a recurring role of Zach in the second season of the Friends spinoff sequel Joey with Matt LeBlanc. And he portrayed DJ, a supporting villain in Street Fighter, opposite Jean Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia. That's probably where you remembered him from, right? Street Fighter.
2: I well, that and uh, when he
0: <laughs> what did you say it was
2: Night of the Living Dead? Not Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead. So uh Return of the Living Dead, yep. That one I remembered him from as well. Because yeah. that movie is yeah. so ridiculous and cheesy, but it's fun. <laughs> Unlike this one.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I was a big fan of Tour of Duty when that show was on. And so I remembered him from that. But I remember Joanna Man. I don't remember. There was somebody else in that movie that was like an actual you know, person you would recognize. But I remembered him from that movie. One of the great uh, director video B movies we watched in the late 80s, early 90s. Correct. And then the last one, I only added it because of the trivia that I found about her wig. So... Carol Locatel as Ethel, and Ethel is the over the top, you know, redneck lady. So, her first movie role was in the 1973 movie Coffee. She also appeared in the Burt Reynolds films Paternity, Best Friends, and Sharky's Machine. She also made guest appearances on many TV shows, including Bonanza, MASH, ER, The Practice, Seventh Heaven, Touched by an Angel Without a Trace, and Grey's Anatomy. In 2014, she appeared in season four. Of, of Shonda Rhimes' political drama Scandal as the former First Lady Bitsy Cooper, which I do remember that. Uh, but this is the this is the trivia. For her audition, she wore a wig that was given to her by Burt Reynolds for her time playing in the movie Sharky's Machine. The New Beginning people loved it, especially the part where she could provide her own wig. That's not really what Locatell was going for. Surely they'd get a new wig for the film, but she just went with it. Unfortunately, she temporarily volunteered the wig to the makeup department in the chance that she'd need it for any reshoots, but they never gave it back to her, perhaps forgetting it was her personal property and not theirs. So I just thought that was interesting. There was yeah. all this this big story about her wig, which as soon as she came on screen, I was like, yep, that's a wig. <laughs> I, I'm not
2: sure that her and her son or you know, the actor who was playing yeah, her son. Yeah. Uh, knew that they were in Friday the Thirteenth. I think they thought they were in a different movie altogether. Yeah, yeah. Because because that whatever scene they were in was not what this movie was. Like it was like a whole different movie. Like mm-hmm. accidentally got yeah. ran into this movie. Yeah,
0: like, it was so over the top. Both of them were so over the top, and it was like this is it, this movie is so uneven. Like it 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 wants. To, it's like it's trying to be funny in some spots, and then it's one to be scary, but not really scary. And then, yeah, it, it's just, it's all over the place. All right. Well, let's talk about, I don't know if we can talk about favorite scenes. I don't think I have any, are there any iconic scenes that we want to talk about? Was there an iconic scene in this one?
2: I mean, there was one, but it's a family show, so
0: we can't talk about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We had that problem. We talked about fast times Ridgemont high, didn't we?
2: No favorite scenes are iconic scenes. And I, I, I wrote down, I said, due to the terrible twist ending, it makes the whole movie pointless. Yeah. Also, following through with not turning Tommy into Jarvis <laughs> or Tommy Jarvis into Jason. Jason, yeah. Only further makes the twist ending that much more garbage. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's like, even if there was like a cool, like, there's a couple of, you know, kind of cool death scenes, like the punk getting the, the, uh, Blair shoved into his mouth oh yeah yeah that was kind of cool but then immediately followed up by a really bad like slit to the throat like you could it was so fake yeah yeah
0: like yeah it's just i don't know one of the things i read about was that the director said that he actually tried to put more nudity and explicit stuff in it so that the MPAA would ask him to tone that down and allow more of the violence to be in it. Like he figured if he could get them to say, to cut that stuff out, it would be more gory, but they were getting the cuts of the film of the gore stuff first. They were so that was all being cut down. So like most of the kills are all off screen or under the camera. Like I know one of the scenes, like when they're cutting somebody, their neck, you don't even see it. Like you see the motion, but you don't see the blade at all. Yeah. And it was like, and that's why some when one of the reviews I saw was like, they felt like the half the kills were from a TV edit of the movie. Like, there's very little that you see, which can sometimes be good. Like, you know, every death scene doesn't need to be seen. Sometimes it's more scary right. to not know what it is, but for them to be like right there and not see it, it's almost like why even have that scene? You know?
2: Yeah, and I just I don't know. Like, some of the death scenes were were not bad. Other ones were just like. Like Well, the the punk in the car, so Jason jumps up behind – or Roy jumps up behind him and takes the machete to the throat, Mm -hmm. and, like, you can tell it's not actually cutting him. Like, it just, like, puts a red paint line on him,
1: Mm -hmm. and he falls over.
2: And and then the punks weren't part of it to begin with, and then you never see or hear from them again.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like – I think it's in – is it in four or three where you have the hitchhiker on the side of the road? that like just they, oh, yeah. they go by and then, they, then she gets killed. And it's like, why? But they were like, because the, the director was like, we need to have, you know, it's too long before somebody gets killed. We got to have something at this, you know, part of the movie. So they just added a hitchhiker for him to kill for no apparent reason. So I don't think there's any iconic scenes really. If someone were to say this movie to me, I think the only thing that would come to mind would be like some of the close-ups of Tommy, like him freaking out. But that's only because of knowing that it's kind of, it's, part of his story even though like i said he's barely in the movie at all but one of the scenes where like when reggie and pam are in the barn which number one tommy shows up he gets cut he falls down and they're screaming come up here come up here why why do you want why do you want him to come upstairs because Jason was gonna come upstairs like it, you know it's that that old trope of you all in a chase scene, you have to go to the top of the building. You always have to go upstairs to go to the top of the building yeah. for the bad guy to fall off of. But in that scene, when Jason gets up there and they're kind of hiding, and then Reggie jumps up and like Jason, like or Roy or whoever, the killer, takes the machete and he hits the board. And for a split second, I was like, Oh, well, I wonder if, like, kind of like the whole Michael Myers, like Michael doesn't kill babies or he doesn't kill like younger kids. I was like, I wonder if it's the same thing, like he's not gonna kill Reggie because he's a kid. course that would go back to the one before with Tommy was what he would he have killed Tommy or just a teenager but but then that's completely abandoned but then it's almost like because I know it's not Jason at that point which we know Jason is kind of like supposed to be not fully there mentally right having issues so this guy is not that waste. but why is this board in front of the boy somehow like a hindrance to him like it's like oh there's (laughs) a board here what am I supposed to do So it is something that I
2: I noticed on on the rewatch is that some of the kills don't follow the general rules of Friday the 13th. Okay. you know, drug use, premarital sex, nudity, right, right. uh, you know, being kind of a jerk. Like, -hmm. you know, those things tend to be what gets you killed. And Mm -hmm. there are several people who don't do that and get killed. Right, right um like violet who's just yeah exactly yeah like there she didn't break any of those rules mm-hmm. but you know she still takes a shit. so i was like if you were paying attention i'm and i'm guessing there were some of the hardcore jason vans who probably picked up on it at the time mm-hmm. who were like oh that's not going to be jason because the mask is different right um, he's not following the rules mm-hmm. uh when he gets cut like he actually like stops and like Right. himself right where right. jason just kept going
1: mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
2: so it's like you know now i see it and i'm like oh it's so obvious now mm-hmm. but you know because it's such a misdirect i guess it makes the ending kind of an effective twist but at the same time because it just came out
1: of left field it, mm-hmm. it wasn't yeah. and now these messages Playing on a cell phone near you. A show for all the manly men out there. Where guys talk about their favorite movies and what they can teach us about being a man. Featuring the coolest guests. Murder somebody is not like killing an ant. The most gratifying laughs. It's tombstone. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) And a fresh take on movies like you've never heard before this will be the thing that gets written on his proverbial tombstone we aren't here to criticize the movies you love but to praise them for how they apply to our lives as husbands fathers and really all men in general so buckle up your seat belts because manly movies is here subscribe on itunes spotify or your other favorite podcast catcher and remember man up all
0: right well let's talk about some scenes and trivia uh, this is not going to be a long episode. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> so a few things we'll talk about, maybe make, make us think about some other scenes as well. The film takes place five years after the events of parts two, three and four and 10 years after the events of part one. I just thought that if, you, if you're if you into like timelines, that might be helpful for you. Uh, this is also the first film in the series where Jason is actually referred to by his full name, Jason Voorhees for Part 1, Part 2, and 4, he's only referred to as Jason, while he is not referred to by name at all in Part 3. Tommy's opening dream was different in the original script, and arguably made him seem more of a suspect later on. In the original script, it opens on a continuation of the ending of the previous film, as a young Tommy is taken to the same hospital as Jason's corpse. Then, in a sudden fit of psychotic rage, he winds up attacking half the hospital staff, trying to get to the morgue to find Jason's bloody body. Once he has finally found the body, Jason suddenly rises from the autopsy table. Immediately after this, the adult Tommy wakes up in the van en route to the Pinehurst house. I can understand why that was cut because Corey Feldman couldn't be there for that extensive scene, but that seems to me kind of like the uh, Halloween 2 where it all takes place in the hospital. Like That could have been its own Whoa. installment. Yeah. Uh, but it does bring up the one scene where Tommy gets into the fight is that when he's fighting with Ethel's son or the... the? When he fighter? randomly becomes like a martial arts expert? Yes. Yes. I was like, when did this turn into an action movie? Like, where did he get all these fighting moves from? I was like, I was scratching my head. I was like, what am I watching?
2: <laughs> yeah. Again, it goes back to my thing of this is just a, a loosely stitched yeah. bunch of scenes together.
0: Yeah, so the only cast members who knew the killer was Roy the paramedic were Melanie Kinneman, John Shepard, stuntman Tom Morga, and of course the guy playing Roy. However, when it came time to film the big reveal, they all knew the twist ending was horrible. In fact, they filmed Roy's death scene twice. No one believed the audience would be able to just see the unmasked man and instantly remember him as the paramedic. So that's why they had to add Roy's motive for killing everyone at the halfway house disguised as Jason was because his son, Joey, was killed by Victor very early on in the movie. Victor was the only person associated with the halfway house who wasn't killed or terrorized by Roy.
2: Yeah, which is weird. And yep. also, it, it that means that, uh, what did you say the kid's name was? Vic was the one who killed him. but
0: uh, Joey.
2: Joey. Joey is one of the few people who have died really? in the Friday the 13th series not killed by jason mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. for everybody in the first movie because they were killed by jason's mom but right or somebody pretending to be jason
0: mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm.
2: but yeah that that scene i will say the overacting the sublime level of acting <laughs> of vic like yeah you know of, of and i heard you just said the name like two seconds ago and i already forgot it that's how unbelievable. joey joey his whole like i want to help you do laundry right right and then, like, the guy's just chopping wood for no apparent reason, no reason. I can tell. <laughs> I thought I was that trying is, to work out some anger. That has to be one of the most poorly run halfway houses. <laughs> Kids are always sneaking off doing who knows mm-hmm. what in the in
0: the in the right. woods. And but once again, you, why would you have a halfway house by Crystal Lake where there's been multiple murders, not just once, but for several years in a row? And just gonna throw it out here if you have
2: a member of the halfway house that has clearly got anger issues mm-hmm. maybe
0: you don't give him the chopping wood duty <laughs> Yeah, i don't think they're allowed to have sharp objects in those kind of places i think you, i don't know you wouldn't think so yeah you, right.
2: you would think that you, know, you wouldn't want to hand that guy the axe yeah
0: oh man all right so the oh we wrapping it up the ending with with tommy about to kill pam was not originally meant to be interpreted as a dream and was intended instead to show that Tommy had gone crazy after his encounters with Jason. However, this plot twist was abandoned when fans demanded that Jason return, and thus he was resurrected in Part 6, Jason Lives, a year later. Had this film gone down well with fans, the producers would have brought John Shepard and Melanie Kinneman back for a direct sequel, which is exactly how it felt like it was being set up for, even though it seems like he's about to kill her at the end. But I'm sure that's probably they probably would have started the part six from that, like picked up right where that left off and her escaping and then him chasing after her and that whole,
2: yeah. And it it could have made the rest of the series very interesting if they had stuck to it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like it, once again, I think we, we both agree that changing the killer from being quote unquote, Jason Voorhees could have worked if this movie would have been better. Right. I, I think, you are going to have the fans are like, it's not a real Friday the 13th movie if Jason's not the killer, even though if you're a real Friday the 13th fan, you know, In the first movie, Jason wasn't the killer. So does it really matter? But that whole idea of which we kind of see as we're going to talk in a couple weeks about Halloween five is where Halloween went, where the idea of the, the evil in Michael Myers gets transferred to someone else. So, you know, once again, kind of similar there. But it's an interesting concept. Like it, it, you know, that's how you kind of keep. That's if you want to keep in the franchise going, you almost have to do that. Or, but what they decided not to do instead, what they decided to do was just make Jason this unstoppable killing machine that no matter how many times you kill him, he's going to pop back up. And that's just it. Just becomes more and more ridiculous. And they leaned into the ridiculousness of it. To as you alluded, Jason in space, or you mentioned Jason X, but we also have Jason. Jason goes to hell. Jason in space. It all. It all just goes ludicrous at that point. Yeah, it does. As long (laughs) as it doesn't go plaid, though. As long as it doesn't go it? Go plaid. (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about box office and critical reception. Uh, So Friday the 13th, the new beginning, opened on March 22nd, 1985. It didn't come out on Friday the 13th. What's wrong with you people? Uh, The film debuted at number one on its opening weekend, beating the teen sex comedy sequel Porky's Revenge, the biopic Mask, Barry Gordy's, martial arts action musical, the last dragon and the Disney dinosaur fantasy, baby secret of the lost legend. Oh, so they had a lot of movies. Yeah. A lot of movies came out I loved that movie when I was a kid. I don't think I've seen it in 35 years, but I don't think I ever, I think I saw part of it, but I don't think I ever saw it all the way through, but it was one that I always wanted to see. I don't know why I never got to see all of it, but by the end of its theatrical run, the film earned $22 million at the U S box office, placing it at number 41 on the list of 1985's top box office earners. It faced competition throughout the first half of the year against other horror releases, Cat's Eye and Life Force, which are probably equally as terrible as this movie. *Life, Life is. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen that one. I think I've seen Cat's Eye, but it's been a long time. It's not like anthology like we did with Creepshow. And then uh, no surprise, critical reception. Rotten Tomatoes is an 18% on the tomato meter and a 26% audience score. IMDB is 4.7 out of 10 with viewers and a 16 on Metacritic. Mm, I, three, three and a half, maybe, and that's being generous. Yeah, it's 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 pretty low. Like I on IMDB, I think I gave it like a four out of ten. So pretty close with other viewers, four point seven. This is not like the other ones that I, the other Fighter 13 movies I've seen, I would want to watch again. This one I would I would skip every time probably.
2: Yeah, I was I was tempted to start rewatching the the uh, Friday the 13th movies after rewatching this one to watch some of the good ones, but
0: <laughs> Right. Yeah, cuz 3 is not great, but it's still better better than this one.
2: I'm not sure where I would put this in relation to 9 and 10. 10 it can be fun if you just know you're getting what you're getting into in the right. first place. Right, right. 9 is just a train wreck <laughs> yeah and then see. there's a reason that they didn't make one for a very long time after 10. Ta- right right
0: all right man anything else you want to say about this movie or have we have, have we talked about it more than it deserves
2: oh we've talked about it more than it deserves um <laughs> i think we've hit everything that i wrote down No, it's everything that I wanted
0: to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I skipped a a few things in trivia. I'll put them in the show notes. They were smaller things that you can read about. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, I know there's not much you can talk about right now, but Pop Culture Roulette is definitely still out there. There's some older episodes, any older episodes that people might want to go check out until you can get something new out
2: until we can get new stuff out uh just go back and re-listen you got 99 episodes to listen to one of these days we'll finally do 100. <laughs> so. yeah and if
0: and if you're in the horror mood like i said the last under the last two years in october you guys have done pretty extensive uh halloween or you know horror movies i know you guys did a bracket of the genres right
2: yeah yeah we did a bracket of the genres and uh, we did that last year yeah. i think if memory serves it came down between Nightmare and Elm Street and Friday the 13th and yeah two of us were Friday two of us <laughs> were Friday the
0: 13th shirts quite often so right, right yeah i know you guys covered a lot of franchises that you don't think about had that many movie like you know had that many sequels but thanks to direct to video there's a lot of them that live much longer than they probably should have well
2: and now that streaming is a thing a lot of them are getting sequels that they probably never would have gotten <laughs> otherwise <laughs> yeah. so
0: yeah, very true, very true. There was supposed to be like a show on Peacock or Paramount about Crystal Lake. So origins. They, they were
2: supposed to be doing an origin story or, or a, a show, a show like a, like an origins movie, I think, mm-hmm. kind of bridging the gap between one and two. Okay. okay. Uh, but Sean Sean S.
0: Cunningham or just Sean mm-hmm. Cunningham? Sean S. Cunningham, yeah, that's right.
2: Um, he still has some rights to it. Okay, and and I think he fights people on it, or wants to do stuff that they don't want to do. I, it's oh, okay. very because so many different studios have gotten hold of Friday the Thirteenth. It's really hard to know who actually owns what.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Because
2: you know, one through eight were done under the one studio.
0: Jason goes yeah Uh, jason goes to hell was over with somebody else i think did it go to new line and that's how they were able to do the friday i mean the i think the freddie versus jason
2: that's where and that's where it ended up in new line but because other people own the rights to the first eight there's only certain things they can do or they can't do and i don't know it's just a big mess and people aren't willing to put the kind of Disney money that when Disney's like, you know, I want all of Marvel back. Here's some money. Go away. Right. Right. People aren't willing to put that kind of money into the Friday, the 13th series. (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to take somebody to uh, somebody much smarter than me. And with a law degree to sit down and figure out who owns what and how much it's going to cost. So who knows? I mean, they did that reboot movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah
2: that, that I argued was actually probably in re, you know, I was like, so Roy is over on one side of Crystal Lake killing a bunch of people. Maybe that reboot was actually what was happening. You know, we could make that the real number five and that's what was (laughs) like, Jason was over on the other side of Lake actually killing people. Right. Roy was over on the other side, you know?
0: Yeah. I was trying to look up to see where the, where the rights went to, but I didn't, it doesn't come up easy. I'd have to, I'd have to dig a little bit deeper. To to see, but because I
2: know Peacock announced they were gonna do something, and then Sean Cunningham was kind of like, "Hold on, now."
0: Okay, yeah, because <laughs> I've seen like the poster, or the flyer, or whatever for it. I know people because I I know that's what happened
2: it. to the video game. Like the video game came out, mm-hmm. and everybody thought everything was copacetic, and then there were some people going, "Huh, no, no." <laughs> and so the video game, like, if you own it, you own it. They can't take it away from you. But it, right. I think the servers went down or the multiplayer is not live. Well, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. You. You know, it's, it's a whole thing. There's just, there's way too many fingers in the pot <laughs> and everybody right. wants, everybody wants their taste. and mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I'm sure one day they'll figure it out when they figure out how they can all make their money.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what it all comes down to. All right, well, we're going to wrap this one up. But once again, thanks, Nicholas, for being a part. Always a pleasure to have you, my friend, for uh, these episodes. Be sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Support the show through buymeacoffee.com. You can also buy a t shirt. Or sweatshirt from the website it's in, we're getting into hoodie season it's starting to cool off so uh, you can check out the merch on tpublic.com with our new designs we've done some i've actually got two more i'm gonna uh, it should be out before this gets released friday the 13th and a nightmare on street themed uh shirt design so check it out you can also get them on coffee mugs stickers buttons phone cases so if you like a design use it for other things Send us an email at info at 80sflickflashback.com. If you enjoy the episode, share it with somebody who loves 80s flicks as much as we do. And be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Once again, Nicholas, thank you for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Tim Williams for the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Good night, good people.